Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In It for the Long Run, uh, the podcast for the lessons we learn when we commit to long-term journeys. We have our two hosts back for round two. Um, my name is Tranis Mukombe, and we have the lovely Claudia Fermanchik. Claudia, would you like to say hi? Hello. Thanks for such a nice introduction. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, thanks for being here with me. <laughs> and I think we're going to kick off with our one of our fame segments. The fans have been crying for it, begging for it. We're like, all right, we're going to give you the segment uh, race updates. And so if you want to kick off with that, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor, Claudia. What are, what are your race updates? How's the, the progress going? Yes. Well, first of all, let me tell you, I just re-looked up the countdown clock for the first time since we last talked. Now we're officially under the five-month mark. So oh. we're on to four yeah. months and 26 days. So I'm going to move away from that count because it's giving me a little bit of anxiety <laughs> as I see like they have like seconds going down. So the numbers are oh. constantly moving. Uh, I kind of got off the wagon a little bit. So having a struggle bus of a start, but in order to kind of get back into things, I've been walking about 10 miles every day to kind of one, help get that motivation back to start running. Uh, and two, it's been really beautiful in Seattle. We've been getting sunny weather, which, as you know, this is the time of the year that Seattle gets nice. So we're starting 100%. to enjoy it. And so, yeah, we've been walking five miles every morning and five miles every night um, to kind of gain a little bit more strength and stability. So that will just help when I start to run again this week. But I'm feeling pretty good. What about what about yourself, Chernos? No, that's great. Nothing, no better motivation than than good weather. Um, I I think I was in a similar boat last week myself as well. I kind of fell off a bit, to be honest. I just had really painful, um, like knees, like sores, like my joints were just not feeling it. Um, and which was weird because I had been running for two weeks at that point, as you know. Um, but I guess my knees caught up with me, and it was very very sore, not just to run but to walk. And so I was starting to get get a couple of doubts on the race, to be honest. That was my first big moment to step back and be like, is this something I'm really prepared for and my body's prepared for? So I, I decided to just call it in for the week, take some actual rest and like fully heal. But the good news is this week, my, my knees are back on track. Now that I'm, I'm back in Chicago, I got a knee brace and that helped a little bit with the healing and our good old friend TikTok has some amazing stretches for for the knees as well. So that's uh, that's what life in your thirties is, is looking like for me. But yeah, no, I'm really excited to get back on the wagon and start training again this week. Um, that's that's kind of where it's at. I think I'd like to see some of these TikTok stretches. Oh, I got you, girl. They <laughs> they. <laughs> They have like chairs, they have like all these tools that you can use to like bend all sorts of ways. I'm like, this is, I I have been super bold thinking I could just hop off my couch and run down the street. Like you, you definitely need to prepare before and after for these, for these runs. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself and giving yourself the time. You know, we're still pretty, we still have a lot of time. So I don't think that sets us back too far. And I was asking a runner about knee injuries and they mentioned that often that's when you have tight hips. So mm. I wonder if some of your stretches kind of working on that too then. No, this one's these ones aren't really necessarily on the hips. This 
kind of quad-esque because imagine, okay, so picture this. It's like almost like you're trying to balance on one leg while the other leg is fully str- like sticking out forward in front of you. And you're just using the one leg as leverage bouncing up and down. So obviously you'd like have like a chair or something to support it. But that's kind of like the motion that a lot of these stretches go for, like kind of standing on one leg, bouncing up and down. All right, send me the TikToks. I'm having a hard time picturing this, even though you're <laughs> describing it really, really well. The other, the other point I was going to make was when in, when in doubt, I do think walking is very helpful. We met uh, last year at a, my brother was running the marathon over on Woodby Island and my partner, Adriel, which he will actually introduce him later a little bit in the show. He was running the half marathon and one of the pacers, they have these people that, you know, if you want to keep an eight minute mile, they have these signs so you can keep up with them. So you get, keep that steady pace. So he was mm-hmm. one of the pacers and he was, I think he was like in his sixties, but he started running marathons in his fifties and his like main feedback of his training plan was he just walks all the time. He's like, you know, if I can't run, I'll walk 15 miles a day and I feel ready. And he, he ran the Boston marathon actually. Oh, I mean, the Boston Marathon's kind of the, the tip top tier of the, the run. So I, that's that's way up there. I'm very impressed that he's able to squeeze in. How old did you say this gentleman is? You know, don't quote me on it, but I believe he said he was in his 60s. He, he looked yeah. he looked pretty good, though, for his age. So Very, very impressive. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running helps keep you young. <laughs> that's the fountain of youth secret. I guess that's been my my motto for this week. If I can't run walking is the next best thing so no, or that's, maybe that's, even better yeah that, or maybe even better agreed and yes i i think i'm trying to rally the troops uh, as well in terms of the marathon itself I, I decided to tell my mom about it and try to get her to come come support a little bit in, in utah if she has the opportunity um so it's very adorable um for those listeners that may not know my mom as am I as an immigrant from Zimbabwe. So she uh, is not familiar with all 50 states. So she calls Utah, Utah. And so she's just like, when is the race in Utah? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I got you, mom. It's it's in St. George. It's it's on October 7th. Uh, let me look for flights. It's like, oh, can I go to Vegas? I'm like, yeah, yeah you can go to Vegas as well if you want to. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out her coming down, but it's more likely than not that she will and who doesn't love a little motherly support from time to time, especially with Mother's Day around the corner. That's right. I And your mom is the sweetest. She's such a cheerleader. So I would love that. No, 100%. Yeah, I hope, I hope you can make it. You just reminded <laughs> me, just like a little tidbit here, and I won't derail mm-hmm. too much, but my, my mom is also an immigrant uh, from Poland. And it was kind of funny. She got into running when she came to the States. And at the time when she was growing up, running wasn't a thing in Poland. And she later on went back to visit family and she decided to exercise while she was there. And so she was running on the street and this bus driver like stopped and was, you know, expecting that she was running for the bus to like catch it. And she was like, no, 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 I'm just like working out. (laughs) And the culture like difference there, they were so confused. Now this is not the case anymore, um, obviously, but 
at the time it was just a little bit more isolated and people just didn't run in Poland. That wasn't something <laughs> that you did. <laughs> kind of an interesting little tidbit there. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a definitely a, a TikTok or a TikTok trend that went around in the, the 2020s that had the similar the similar mindset where you make fun of like folks running it's just like oh are you running on purpose why wait why or what are you running from are you okay it's just no i'm i'm just going on a run i'm okay and on that note i'm sure we can transition to our very first guest on in it for the long run uh claudia would you like to introduce him yes i have adriel francois here he is the my wonderful fiance actually so he's sitting right here. We're in the apartment together. And, you know, when I met Adriel, he had maybe a little bit less of outdoor recreational activity. And it's been kind of interesting to see how he's wanted to join and, and just kind of get his perspective on things. Um, so I'm going to hand it off to Adriel to say hello. Wow, wow, wow. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, and I'm glad to be the first guest. Yeah, so we decided to have Adriel on partially because he's had quite a journey, you know, coming from, you moved here in what year? 20, 2003. 2003. <laughs> yeah, so he moved here from Haiti in 2003 as a 13-year-old. And he lived in Miami and then moved to Seattle, then met me. And then we went on some different types of long overnight kind of recreational outdoors things, including backpacking and various other, you know, activities. And then most recently we went on a three month bike ride across the United States last summer in June, 2022. And that's kind of what we, we just want to talk about your life in general and how you got to that point. And then we'll focus maybe a little bit more on the bike ride itself. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I have a lot of uh, fun experience with you these past uh, three, four years. I'm happy to share my experience with both of you guys and your audience. Awesome. Thanks, Adriel. I mean, I, I think we ha both have pretty similar journeys and the sense of moving to the States and having to adjust cultures and understand something entirely new from the world that we're used to. Could you repeat what age you said you moved here? Yeah, I don't want to give my age away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give your social security number. No, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I moved here when I was 13. Um, and now if you do the math, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it for you. <laughs> I'm forever 25. <laughs> yeah, 13 years old, and it, it was a, it it was an experience. Um, in a sense, everything is new. You have a whole new identity that you have to go into or form or develop, and you have to kind of forget in a way everything else you know um, or you've experienced just so you could fit in and. And yeah, because you you moved to Miami, correct? Which, to my understanding, maybe has a bit of a Haitian community. No, or did you feel completely somewhat isolated? And and you moved with your family. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, no, not at all. Not feeling isolated at all because 
I didn't know better. <laughs> and two, we there there is a large population of Haitian, um, Haitian and Haitian American in Miami. Coming here, my dad had his own church that he went to that I attended. So I never really felt alone in a sense of community-wise. Uh, other times I felt alone, but never really felt alone. Because mm, I, I noted how you said that you felt like you have to forget parts of yourself when you moved here. What parts yeah. would you say you forgot then? That and you I don't think to... I, yeah, I don't think I did it intentionally in the sense when I forget who I was. It's more of all this new information is coming to you. Um, culture, the culture shock in many different ways. Uh, I, I, some of the things I was thinking about was social awareness, um, having to, uh, the language is obviously an obvious one, but also keeping up with the pace of lifestyle here. It's a, it was completely different than the Caribbean where everything is gone with the flow and right? completely different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for me, I had uh, what they had called the, the honeymoon phase, essentially, where, I mean, for me, I was excited to move to the States uh, coming from a third old country. And you just have this kind of rose colored glasses about what the States looks like and how amazing that people are going to be. And oh my God, is that a McDonald's? I get to eat a McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> and like everything is amazing. There is no bad. Absolutely. And that lasts for maybe like, I don't know, two months. And so my first two months here were just absolutely fantastic because I was like, oh my God, this is the America that I've seen in the movies. And then the reality starts to kind of subtly sink in, like you said. So did you have a, a any any honeymoon phase? And I think Claudia has something to pitch in on that. No, yeah. I was just going to chime in because obviously I know Adriel fairly well. And I remember one story, how excited were you to have a freezer in your house? Oh, oh yeah, that was a big deal because you can have ice cream for a long time. <laughs> Talking about um, everything is so new. I'm surprised that you got jaded after two months, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, here's why. There was so much to learn with school. And I came in right at the time when school was getting started. So there was a lot more our difference might be just because in the language wise because you i think you you, you speak english in zimbabwe okay yep, so yep. language wise was one right so it took me a while to understand and that innocence that i had i would say all of it is strength that innocence that i had coming in everything was new but also innocent about it and i wasn't aware that people were making fun of me for thinking this way or I was just enjoying every moment. I was very grateful for everything that I had because I was coming from a extremely poor country, but I also didn't realize I was privileged in that poor country. Right. Mm -hmm. But looking back now, I was a, a little bit privileged in my country, but coming in here, ice cream was new pizza, McDonald's. <laughs> and yes, it did hit me that home alone is not real. Or <laughs> not real. Um, but it took me a little bit to, to get to that stage. Now, that's a really good point you bring up too, is this 
this really deep-seated level of gratitude that I think a lot of immigrants have and that I also relate to as well. Like, just when you come from that third world country and you, you, your feet touch the ground, it's just like, wow, I know where I'm coming from and I'm really, really grateful to hear, to be here. And even years on, you find a lot of people that have quote unquote first world problems, then it's just like, oh no, my coffee's too hot. And it's like, well, you know, <laughs> I, I know it's like not to even, you know, be able to have access to these things like coffee or water or like food or bread. Um, and so coming all this way, I think, like you said, gives you this really deep seated level of gratitude as well for, for coming this far. How would you say you are on your, your immigrant journey? You've been here for a couple of years now. Do you feel fully settled in to America? Do you feel like that's something that's continuously changing for you? Yeah, no, I know I mentioned earlier in the conversation how identity is one thing you lose. I would say in my journey, I am trying to find that identity. And I don't know if I'll ever find it in a sense, meaning now all the things that I gave up to assimilate into this society, into this culture. Now I'm going back and appreciating, and, and Haitians are extremely proud. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> and going back to learn about the dances and now seeing people appreciate my culture and the food, everything else, going back to asking myself, what else do, did I like to do when I was in Haiti? What I, what I, ha, I have not been enjoying lately. And I've been working on, you know, listening to Haitian music again, learning about Haitian news when carnival and things that made Haiti its beauty make Haiti so, so amazing that we only hear the bad thing in the news when there is a, a world of... Mm. There's a there's a cult there's a Haitian culture that is extremely beautiful and Haitian people uh, are uh, extremely um, happy to be always helping even when it doesn't benefit them. That's who we are as people. So just going back to learning that and also keeping my American identity and knowing that hey, I am in the corporate America. I am attempting to do something other generation haven't done. And I'm looking for other Haitians and that are successful. So this is where I'm at in my journey, just combining my identity and not saying I'm this or I'm that, just combining that identity and finding who I am today because it's always ever-changing. Yeah, for sure. To be kind of multifaceted, I feel often there may be sometimes a pressure to fit in when you're coming from outside that country to be like, oh, this is what it means like to be American. But what it seems like you're saying is it's pretty multifaceted and you're kind of allowed to be to be who you want to be. What are some of the sources that you have in terms of being able to tap into that Haitian culture? Is it like TV shows? Is it like Spotify playlists? Like how do you how do you find yourself that way? So friends is a big part of it. Um, I made a friend when I first moved to the U.S., um, high school friend, and we still talk almost on a daily daily basis. Uh, high school friends, I'm finding Instagram accounts, looking at other f successful Haitians that are talking about the culture of Haiti. Haiti. Have you seen those TikTok accounts that, that are going over the language that goes, how do you say this in certain language? 
and then you realize all the words are the same. For example, in Haiti, you could say um, the word spicy is pique, right? And then mm -hmm. the word um, stab is pique, right? Mm -hmm. These different little uh, Instagram stories. Um, yeah, I would say online, just seeing success of other Haitians and finding that. And the algorithm have gotten really good. Once you once they know that you speak another language, they start serving content that are from that language. And I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing a very good job. One thing that Adriel shared with me in part of his internet exploration of Haitian culture was actually there is a fairly wide compa movement in Poland of yeah. all places. And compa is like the traditional dance in Haiti. Oh. Yeah. yeah that's kind of cool. Huh. What are the chances? Yeah. I wonder how it made it all, all the way to Port uh, to Poland. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if Claudia has dive into the Poland uh, Haiti history. Um, I think that history, um, if you don't know, you can go research it online. But I think that that's part of the culture that even most Haitians don't know about, I would say. There's some interesting history that Poland played in Haiti or Polish people played in Haiti and the Haitian people impacted Poland. We can get into that another time. No, very interesting. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that more. However, we also would love to hear more about your your biking journey. Uh, Claudia and Adriel did bike across the United States a couple months ago, and that's a very topical uh, piece of information that I think we can dive into here as well. Can you believe it's been actually almost a year since we left? It's Stop. not a couple months ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I just realized, saying... I'm like, Wait, we left in June last year and we're in May 2023. Nice. Um, I did I did actually want to say something yeah. because so biking across the United States was something I've always wanted to do. I've talked to Adriel about it many times, but more of like this abstract concept of like, oh, how fun. And I was kind of surprised he was the one that actually pushed us to go. So I did want to, I do want to ask, we haven't really talked about this, is what made you want to go on this adventure and what made you be the one that kind of led that? Wow. What a question, Trenos. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, she introduced me by saying, Joe wasn't really an outdoorsy person, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I grew up in Haiti. Well, I meant like, <laughs> recreational. But that's why I said recreationally, because I think it is different to yeah. view this these kind of activities, like camping and all this stuff is a little bit different than like just living like a daily life in a more... Like in a way where you're really interacting with your environment a lot. I think it's a little bit different of a view. I just wanted to make fun of your intro. <laughs> so getting back to the question of why did I why did I drive this need to go explore, you know, Claudia's dream and her idea. So me, when I met Claudia, I always thought her idea of how she explored the world was interesting because when we first met, she was talking about. Uh, she was going on a trip to Peru, how she was going to really explore the different communities instead of the typical, oh, I'm just going to lay on the beach and have a martini. And anyway, that's how I was attracted to her. And I wanted to keep talking to her. For me, the reason why I wanted to go on this trip and why I pushed for her to go on this trip is uh, funny enough, because of my, because I love comedy and specifically, I love Jim Carrey and one of the movies that he played. 
right? It's a, this is a weird answer, but I'm getting to it. Um, one of the movies that he played, he became a yes man, where opportunities arise and with the yes that he says in his life and he discovered there's a whole sort of world he wasn't living because he was saying yes. Um, my idea for saying yes, one, because me, myself, I see myself as an explorer. Part of that new identity that I developed is to explore and see new opportunities. So I really wanted to go outside of myself, take a chance and really explore something that I know nothing about. And maybe I could learn something new and taking a chance on myself to live life because I grew up working to survive versus working to living and exploring the world, which is something that's unique to United States and how people live here. So that's my answer. I wanted to just go and explore. And and we were coming off kind of right at the tail end, like things started opening up after COVID by the time June 2022 hit. Do you think kind of living through that experience, maybe some of that isolation impacted your decision or or not really? Yeah, it definitely impacted my decision to wanting to get out because I felt like I was stuck. Um, I was stuck in my career, which I thought I was stuck in my career, but not really. It's just that perspective view, that the way I, I viewed it was that I was stuck and I needed something to move me. My motivation, my drive was low. And all of it is because of COVID. But part of the reason for pushing my idea was what I said earlier. But COVID definitely impacted me. I just won't give COVID that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> Never get COVID credit, folks. No, that's fantastic. I, I know what movie you're talking about. Yes, Man is a great movie, by the way. But I think that Yes, Man mentality is so excellent in being able to explore new things and go for new adventures. And I... I believe a lot of it, a lot of it is not really knowing what you're getting into, and that's part of the fun because oh. that just opens you up to to God knows what, right? I'm sure we can pretty much do a whole other episode about this type of crazy things that you guys both ran into simply by just saying yes to this journey. And like, it's kind of funny that you mention it because I think in our first episode, when I was talking about why I decided to do this run, was I told Trinos I'm a yes man? So when he asked me, I just said yes. It's kind of funny that. Yeah, but I do love your ideas. We've done a lot of fun exploration together. And because I've said yes so often, I've put myself in positions to learn and to grow. And I, I am more than what I was a year ago because of this trip. And what, I guess, kept pushing you when I'm sure you had doubts sometimes? What, what? convince you to keep going along with it with a journey that takes a couple of months like that i'm sure there's points where you were doubting it and you could easily just say hey i'm gonna buy a ticket back home to seattle right quick what kept you going in those kind of slower moments where perhaps you don't have 100 of that yes man energy for me specifically i was gonna go through it no matter what <laughs> and it's that mentality preparations that i did and giving room for, realistic room for, hey, I can't go on and we will stop. But that's just preparation. And reality, while you are in it, what I think helped was the fears that you 
you conquer along the way. And the fears for people are different. Uh, for me, even if I won't, I would not admit it during the trip, but the fear of living away from home, right? The fear of sleeping in a tent every night, uh, the fear of uh, being tired consistently on the bike. But when I say you conquer those fear, it's more of you getting better and you realize, hey, I got this. And every step that I take, I realize, oh, this is, I can do this and I can do this. And that little voice does it by itself. And that's how I kept going. When Claudia was sick and I was ready to say, hey, I, I know I'm taking responsibility, but I also want to be the voice of reason. We're going back. And Claudia was like, well, just let me rest for a little bit. And and thank God I wasn't as stubborn <laughs> as, I, as I am. <laughs> I listened and gave it time. And yeah, what kept going is conquering those fears. Well, to give, to give some context on that point, I actually got COVID after a week of us writing. And, you know, some people have very mild cases. My case was pre pretty bad. I was bedridden for like five days. Um, and then by the time I got back on the bike, I was still really, really exhausted. And Adriel definitely was concerned and i think it was a value and that's probably where my stubbornness kicked in so it's great that you listened to me i also think it's great that i ended up being okay so yeah. i think that's where we work together where i can be stubborn and i think at times you can be stubborn and then we somehow listen to each other through the noise and and the challenges and we trust each other and because you had no other choice but to trust each other in that moment um yeah, I think that worked out for us. Mm. And that's perhaps something a little unique to your journey as opposed to something like a marathon. Uh, it sounds like you both were able to have each other to rely on such that if one person's feeling, you know, down or weaker in one moment, the other moment might be strong and you can rely on them. And likewise, when the, the switch flips, um, you're still able to have someone to that you can now support uh, when they're having their lower moments. I would argue that when you, we're doing this marathon, it's definitely mostly internal for the couple hours we're going to be running there. So it's a lot of self-mental support. I think perhaps, Claudia, our, our support comes before and after the race. But within the race, really, kind of all we have is is ourselves. Yeah, as someone who, who, who ran a half marathon, not fancy like you guys. <laughs> but I think uh, if I'm giving a point of view to that, I would say, just conquering one mile at a time <laughs> as weird as it sounds yeah one mile at a time really does help but in the way that's kind of similar because like when we're riding our bikes we talked about it. it's just like let's get 10 miles right no. let's just mm. get another 10 miles yeah the lie you tell yourself to help you out <laughs> for example when 10 miles is too hard let's just get five miles we'll take a break <laughs> when five miles is too, let's just get over like I think we, we talked about this, especially going up uh, Sisters, um, the Sisters climb. Mackenzie Pass. Mackenzie Pass, sorry. Uh, Claudia was still sick. <laughs> and Claudia's like, this is hard. I'm like, okay, we'll take a break in a second. Just go a little bit further. And eventually we made it all the way up little by little. I think you, you just have to encourage yourself and give yourself a small little goal to achieve that you know you can do.
Yeah, so people don't feel too bad that I got COVID on this trip. One of the silver linings that I got from it was I actually lost my sense of smell for a month and we went through a lot of farmland and Adriel was suffering and I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't remind me of that. We're here to talk about the good parts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, tell me more about this uh, bad smelling land. This is <laughs> this is the gold. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I I went I witnessed a little bit about this and we've rehashed a, li a little bit, but I'm I'm curious, how do you feel your personal background, you know, as a Black Haitian man impacted your experience, especially cycling, you know, across mostly rural United States? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. The question is heavy because in on one hand, you know history and you try to keep history in mind, but on the other hand, the innocence of coming from another country also wanting to explore and wanting to just accept things as they are. Going through, I realized innocence and ignorance in a way, it's not too bad to just let things go as they develop and not have a preconceived notions of, oh, I'm going through there, it's bad, just go. And you will find people that are so helpful and that are willing to take care of you um, going through was i scared absolutely but was that the first thing in my mind absolutely not because of my experience as i met people and really exploring america that it's just beautiful it's big i feel so small um and i was also proud that i was probably the first haitian to ever cross <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of surprising. We actually met somebody who spoke Creole. Oh yeah, a pastor who volunteered, who had a church in Haiti, who volunteered a couple of times, and he spoke really good Creole. Oh no way! So he picked it up for in his years in Haiti. Yeah, it's amazing. He spoke. His Creole was on point, and yeah. he just oh. the the simple sacpasi. He was going deep with Creole, which I was I was surprised by. I think we were really lucky in the sense that we definitely stood out and the people that were curious and excited about our story were the people that approached us. So I think we had a little bit of a filtered view in the sense that we got most of the good. And I'm yeah. sure that, you know, just like everything, there's good and bad out there, but we experienced mostly good. Yeah because we experienced only good, I think we did get a lot of reactions. I hope this is okay for me to share. You don't see a lot of black cyclists, just to say it plainly, and people were very excited to meet Adriel. Yeah, a little celebrity. Credited to my personality, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, because they like said, oh my gosh, a black cyclist. Like it was very yeah. in your face. And I don't know, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I. So part of me sometimes forget that I'm a foreigner, or my English—I speak English with an accent. Part of me forgets that sometimes. Uh, on the road, I was reminded of everything that I have. <laughs> so, um, how does I feel about it? I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say I don't care, but it didn't bother me. But. It was one of those things that I realized, am I speaking with that? Do I have that much of a heavy accent or what's going on there? But 
on the other hand, people love to approach me and people love to make friends. And I'm the type, you start talking to me, I start talking, whatever you're talking about, I talk about it and we go deep into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every time I left Adriel alone, like even to go to the bathroom or buy a snack, you'd make a friend. Yeah. Yeah, so Adriel's super easy to talk. You can make a friend in, in, in any part of the country, I would say. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad that both of you, you know, traveling as an interracial couple, you'll probably meet all sorts of people. But it sounds like for the most part, you got some pretty positive experiences out of it. You really never know what you're going to get out there. Yeah. Um, no, we're very lucky because we've we heard some stalking stories from a couple of friends, not not interracial, just regular. Um, Caucasian couple, but yeah, we heard a couple of horrible stories. Yeah. What does what does the wind down look for you after the after the race? I guess my thoughts are okay. What happens once you've you know you've done the thing, you've achieved this amazing journey, you've had a breath of fresh air, you popped open the champagne. What's it like for you post race post um post cycle? Is there new goals for you? Do you still look back fondly on the cycling? Like, what? Where, where is your mind at? It's a mixture. You're coming from such a high, and the high lasts, I would say, a couple of weeks. It lasted a couple of weeks for me. Uh, and my mindset was the mindset, okay, let's go get it. I want the best of the best. <laughs> and then I think reality hits. Um at times you realize, oh, this is hard. You know, life is hard. And planning the things you learn from the bike trip is having a goal and work on it every day. That I think stays with me. Um, no matter how hard things get, you know, you will you will be okay as long as you focus on that goal. I think I don't think I set huge goal for myself after the bike trip because I was trying to get my life back in order. Mm. So overall, the lessons I learned were more valuable than what I did immediately after um, the bike trip. I have this just energy that I know I can achieve it and I can talk about this bike trip funly with anyone. And I, I like pulling in examples from the bike trip at any time. I'm having a conversation with somebody and just because it's so fresh and it's just such a wonderful experience that I can relate a lot of life situation back to the bike trip. And every time I forget, uh, every time I forget and I get down, I remember set the goal and just work on it every day because the beauty of achieving that top of the mountain and getting over that hump, it's, I think it's the high that we got every time we, we conquered one of those climbs it was just an un unbelievable feeling, and I'm chasing that every day. I mean, if you if you ask me, you're still riding on the high of this the cycle, dude. You did not. <laughs> you're you're so joyful about it, and just seeing you yeah. light up talking about that's like like it's such a good place for your head to be at. That's that's really awesome. Yeah, it it helped me wanting to go outside more. Don't tell Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to go outside more, understanding the power of focusing, because there was a lot of focusing now, staying now. No matter how hard it is, you are now. There's a lot of power in that, and being outside helps with it. Um, I grew up watching a lot of TV, not a lot of life structure, and 
when I'm outside, I feel that I'm being more productive, even though I'm doing absolutely nothing, because it helps bring me to the moment and appreciate what I have and be more grateful. So I think that's the mindset that it leaves on me, that I'm more open to stepping outside, stepping outside, even though I'm still have the urge to resist and stay home and be comfortable. But the moment that I step outside, I feel better in it. I want to stay outside. I want to do things all day. So it's a mixture, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's, it sounds like it's left you more connected to nature as well, it seems. Absolutely. And I, not that I wasn't before. I like to go on walks, but now it's even more, even more so. I would go on walks for longer. And th- things seem smaller now. For example, walking for two hours or an hour and a half, that doesn't sound like a big deal to me, right? That's mm-hmm. that's a big, I should do this every day versus before because I spend so much time outside versus before is if you tell me to go outside and walk, I'm like, okay, 10 minutes, I'm done. Okay, back to my TV. Okay, <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, okay, I want to spend more time outside. I feel that's one thing I definitely missed about being in the Pacific Northwest is that connection to nature. Now that I live out here in Chicago, it's a little bit different, um, but still looking forward to the summer. I have a very tiny little electric bike that would probably only take me from, uh, I don't know, here to here to downtown. I don't think I can make it across the country, <laughs> at least not on a single charge. Uh, but yeah, I, I take that wherever I can, at least to get little little outdoor adventures here and there during the day. We have an extra bike and extra gear. So if you ever feel like inclined to do a little adventuring back up here, you're welcome to come. We'll take care of you. Oh, yeah. I'm your height. So that's okay. I think we can edit that piece out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should we move on to the the fun little segments or is there anything else, Claudia, that you want to dive into with our guest here? Yeah. You know, there's so there's so much to unpack about. Adriel's life journey and this this bike ride, but I think we have a pretty good essence of what you experience and what you learned from it. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we have some segments on the show here, Adriel, that we ask every guest. Drum roll! The first segment that we have for you is what is in your backpack. So. Yeah. What were the top things that you kept with you for the bike ride that kept you sane, that kept you going, that could be practical, they could be sentimental? Uh, what's in your backpack? I'm excited because I listened to the first episode. <laughs> You're like, now it's coming to me. <laughs> so, what's in my backpack? I would say... A... <laughs> Wow, this is dumb. When you're on the spot, even though I'm prepared for this. <laughs> snack, always with a good snack. I'm sorry, no matter how I go about it, always have some Nature's Valley because that saved our life. What else is in my backpack? We are also not sponsored by Nature Valley, but we could be. <laughs> but we could be. Uh, we could be. Uh, I, I get cold all the time so a little bit of sweater or a blanket is always 
it's always great and and i would say i would say gears in general since on the bike gears so my gloves and a little bit of sweater to help me manage the the heat or the cold mostly at night when we're sleeping away from our tent um and then for the snack i would say snack and water just to combine them and then my last backpack item i would say is my phone my phone was so important <laughs> and no middle, heck yeah yeah and he lost it the first day <laughs> Not yeah. a great story. <laughs> but we that found it and over an hour later. <laughs> you want to know that was the most documented story on Instagram. People love this. Anyways, move on to you. <laughs> no, that's amazing. What what is what is the synopsis of the losing the the phone story? So quickly, as we're biking, I put my phone in my pocket i told claudia one of us should have a phone off because you know we want to make sure one phone is always charged i don't know what i was thinking <laughs> you turned off the phone yeah yeah and somehow my backpack got unloose one of the bungee cord i had on my bi bike the pannier, yeah yeah it got loose and it got caught in my tire and I fell on the side of the bike path where there was a bunch of um it's a bunch of like ivy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, oh. Ow. I lost my phone and we spent an hour and a half looking for it. Well, let me add let me add a detail. So he gets ready, you know, we fix the bungee cord, we start biking. I'm like, all right, let's go. We're good. And then all of a sudden I see Adriel get smaller and smaller in my little bike mirror that I have. And I was like, what is he doing? Yeah. Back around and he notifies me that he lost his phone, but we couldn't remember exactly where he fell. That was the oh, main no. problem. And he fell in the Ivy. So the phone was somewhere in the Ivy that lined the entire path. Ah. We weren't sure exactly where it was. And when I dropped my own phone just to see what it would look like, even knowing where my phone and the ivy was, I hardly could see it. So we were just walking through the ivy and we had been walking in the wrong section for a good 45 minutes. Ow. Ooh. Yeah. Until you got to the right spot and found the phone. We were about to give up, but the AT&T store to get a new phone, because we weren't about to start this journey without Adriel's phone, opened at 10. And we had left our house at like before 6 a.m. Oof. So we had time, you know, we're yeah. like, well, we can just keep looking. Yeah. I'm persistent. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Persistence will get you through that journey. Yeah. No, um, I think the one thing that Claudia and I had in common in our backpacks was, was sunscreen. Uh, that's one oh, thing yeah. that we were like, do not forget sunscreen. Which doesn't think. <laughs> I don't think about <laughs> I mean, you had me at snacks, child. I'm like, ooh, even if I'm just sitting at home, that's one thing I'll have in my backpack. Our next segment is That's a Stretch, uh, a.k.a. Two Truths and a Lie. Mm -hmm. Two Truths and a Lie. And I have to share those two truths and, then, and a lie. And then Trenos and I are going to guess which one is the lie. Okay. Uh, I was top seven in my high school track and field or cross country team. And that's one. Number two is, hmm, I've met 
at least seven celebrities, including Pitbull, which is my favorite, <laughs> Mr. 305. <laughs> and then I have two degrees. Claudia is engaged to this man, so she may have better knowledge. I think I know the answer. I'm going to let you guess to have this be fair game. I believe you've met. I believe you've met Mr. Worldwide. Uh, I know that you've had that job in Miami as like, I think you were um, the Fat and Blue. Uh, uh, you're a what now? At the Fat and Blue, we did yes. events. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where you bumped into so many celebrities, and I and, and I. I want to say you are in the top seven, so I'm going to say the lie is that you have two degrees. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm okay. going to guess first. Oh, oh, no, yeah, you should have looked what he guessed. Uh, he was not in, what did you say, the top seven? Top seven. He was not. Top seven, they were running 18-minute miles to be in top seven. Okay. And that was the number seven was running 18-minute, I'm sorry, 18-minute for 5K. And were you a runner? Is this like a half truth yeah. or you were, okay. So you were in the race, but not part of the top seven. Yes. Not part of the top seven. Ah. Specific trainers. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> ah, dang it. Cause you threw out. Full is pretty specific. I'm a smart man. <laughs> right. Right. And, and you threw out two degrees so easily. I was like, oh, that feels like a lie, but mm, yeah. clever, clever. Um, any other celebrities that you'd like to, to name drop for us here? Uh, Robin Thicke, Pharrell Williams, Dion Warwick. Uh, who else have I met? And and we not Enrique Iglesias. What's his name? Uh, Ricky Martin. Ooh, yeah, Ricky Martin was fun. Neo, uh, Maroon Five. We got more? we got to seven. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now you're showing off. Oh, right. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Like, go oh, past seven. Yeah. <laughs> the Victoria's Secret top models. <laughs> His favorite one to mention. Well, I didn't want to mention that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've met quite a few because I was working events. I was in marketing working events. So I met quite a few people. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Adriel, for joining us. I think my big takeaway from our combo together is the goal aspect. And if you have a goal, you can be unstoppable. So we just have to focus on this race goal that we have, Trinos. I agree. I think that's a perfect takeaway from this. Uh, it's focusing on that goal and getting through with it. Um, my personal takeaway as well is to have snacks. And my, I, I love the idea of snacks. So I will have that snacks. ready to go. <laughs> that was in your bag? You yeah. have to have snacks. <laughs> we didn't know that before. Yeah, we didn't that wasn't that wasn't the common knowledge um but yes adriel thank you so much for being our very first guest on our special podcast in it for the long run yeah thank you for having me yep stay tuned for episode three coming soon we're not sure when <laughs>